today we wrap up our Disciples Path series. We started several weeks ago by acknowledging that knowing who Jesus is or even declaring who Jesus is doesn't make us a disciple. A disciple is one who follows, one who uh, we, we've said that we want to follow Jesus so closely that the dust of his sandals gets kicked up and it just settles on us. We talked about how and why a disciple prays. Prayer and Bible reading are fuel for the journey and they help keep us on the right path. We talked about the fact that a disciple shows up. When you show up with less than your whole self, then this community is less than what God intends it to be. We talked about why a disciple gives. We said that Everything we have, everything we are is a gift from God. And so we want to use the money that God has given us on the mission that God has given us. And we talked about the fact that a disciple serves. God has given each and every one of us a spiritual gift so that we can use that gift to make the kingdom of God a reality here on earth. And last week we talked about why a disciple shares their faith. We saw how Jesus did it in the Gospel of John. He asked, what are you looking for? What do you seek? And then he said, come and see. What are people looking for? Love, acceptance, community, the opportunity to be part of something bigger than themselves. People are looking for church, aren't they? Love, acceptance, community, being part of something bigger than yourself, that's church. But people don't know that church is where those things can be found because we have to be honest about this. The church has not always been good at being the church. We have some work to do there. We can do our part by telling people what we've witnessed. We can talk about how the dust of Jesus' sandals has settled on us, and we can say to them, come and see, come and see. Another way to say this is that we use our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness for the kingdom of God. We do this because we live in an in-between time. We live in the already but not yet. Jesus, the Messiah, has come, but the kingdom of God is not yet fully realized. So this is already, Jesus has already come, but the kingdom of God is not yet fully realized. So they, we call this the already but not yet or an in-between time. And as we live into this already but not yet, we walk the disciples' path and we use our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, our witness for God's glory as we anticipate the full restoration and reconciliation of all people and all things, all of creation. In our gospel lesson today, Jesus talks about, um, he gives us a parable where he talks about people using or not using their talents. This particular parable is actually the middle of a parable sandwich. It's like the meaty middle of a sandwich. Uh, it's a, the, the second in a series of three. In the first parable, Jesus talks about, um, this would be like the bottom bun of the sandwich. Jesus talks about, um, about people waiting for a groom, right? And they've got their candles lit or they've got their lamps lit and they run out of oil. And, and this parable is, is a cautionary tale about avoiding complacency as we wait for Jesus to return. That's our bottom bun. The top bun, the third parable in this ser- series of three, is a story about the importance of 
living a generous and compassionate life. This is, this is where we hear Jesus saying, through the voice of a king, he says, you know, you gave me food when I was hungry, something to drink when I was thirsty. You gave me clothes when I was naked, a warm welcome when I was a stranger. You gave me health care when I was sick. You visited me when I was in prison. That's the top bun of this three, uh, the, this three parable set or this three parable sandwich. And that parable about what was given when someone was in need, that, that parable is meant to teach us the lesson of generosity and compassion. But this mealy middle is the parable that we read today that Todd just read for us. And it's a story about why burying our talents is not the right answer. These parables, all three of them, are about what we are supposed to do in this already but not yet in-between time as we wait for the kingdom of God to be experienced in its fullness and glory. So the bottom bun says, as we wait, we can't be complacent. We can't run out of light. We can't let the darkness take over. We've got to keep the oil in our lamp. And the top bun says we need to be practicing generosity and compassion. And then the meaty middle today's parable is that as we wait, we need to put our talents to good use for God's mission. We need to use our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, our witness. It's a theme, right? So a talent uh, in the time that Jesus was sharing this parable, a talent was a measure of money. An astronomical sum of money would have been 15 or 20 years worth of wages. Do you have any idea what the average annual salary for a full-time worker in Tallahassee is? If you have an idea, just shout it out. I'm just, I mean, I had to look it up. I had no idea. So if if nobody knows, that's okay. What do you think? 35,000? According to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, it's closer to 50. So if you think about 15 or 20 years times 50,000, you're talking about 750,000 to a million dollars. A talent was an astronomical, had an astronomical value. We actually use the word talent today to mean a, a special or natural ability. And that meaning is tied in some way to this parable. A talent is a valuable gift. And Jesus tells us not to waste or bury our talent. Instead, Roll up our sleeves. We need to roll up our sleeves and get to work with daring and imagination, using what God has given us for the sake of God's mission. Jesus encourages us in this parable to be courageous and to take some wise risks. And in that way, we can multiply the good that God is doing in and through you for the love of the world. God calls us to participate in God's work. And God pairs this invitation with the promise that we will enter divine joy. It's hidden in this parable. I want to say that the wealthy man in the parable is not God. Friends, hear me on that. The wealthy man in this parable, the landowner, he's described as, hold on, let me get it out. Uh, A man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property. This man is not God. How do I know? I know because He is a harsh man who reaps where he does not sow, gathers where he did not scatter, and instills fear in the people who work for him. And when they disappoint him, he casts them into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not the God we know. This is not the God we serve. The point of this parable is that even this terribly harsh landowner, this terribly harsh man, uh, that he, even he, 
is able to recognize when someone has done something good. When, when his servants take what he, they have been given and they use it well, right? He's able to say, well done, good and trustworthy one. And he says, enter into joy. If even a flawed and troubled person, like the man in this parable, is capable of doing that, capable of recognizing what workers have done, capable of inviting them into joy, how much more does our faithful, merciful God of love and justice invite us to experience? Do you see, if, if even, even the harsh masters of the world can take delight in a good and faithful worker, how much more will the God of love and grace and justice delight in you? Jesus does this in so many ways throughout the Gospels where, where he takes a little thing and he makes it bigger, right, for the, for the purpose of understanding and teaching, and he uses hyperbole. Prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, these are the methods by which we as Methodists are formed into the likeness of Christ. It's how we become the agents of God's mission in this world. It's how, it's how we use our talents. They are our talents, and they are how we use our talents. Moses reminds us in the Deuteronomy reading that we haven't gotten to where we are without God, and we won't get where we are going unless we go with God. Moses tells the Israelites, he says, hey guys, don't forget, don't forget. When times are good and life is easy, don't forget what God has done for you. And then he actually reminds them about the troubles that God has pulled them through. Moses is walking on that boundary, a boundary between what was and what is yet to come, right? They're just on the cusp of the promised land in the book of Deuteronomy. They've been through the 40 years in the wilderness, right? And he is on this in-between, just like we are in the in-between, just like we are in the already, but not yet. And so Moses says, remembering where we've come from, that helps us stay grateful to God for all that God has done. And when times are good, we, we know that we're experiencing just a foretaste of the feast to come, that God has even more goodness laid out for us in the future. Any goodness we experience now is just a glimpse of what is to come. But when times are hard, we can rest assured that God is with us and a better time is coming. Another way to say this, if we're thinking about the Deuteronomy reading, would be to say, it might feel like, it might feel like we're in Egypt right now. But God is with us, and God is going to pull us out and through that hard time. And we all have a metaphorical Egypt, something that enslaves us, something that tries to hold us back. How would you describe what God has freed you from? How would you describe that? For some folks, Egypt is an addiction. It could be an addiction to alcohol or drugs or food or money or status. For others, Egypt is a hurt or a trauma or even an unhealthy relationship that just keeps dragging them back into the past. We probably also each know what it's like to be in a great and terrible wilderness or an arid wasteland. These are metaphors that Moses uses, uh, that Moses uses in the Deuteronomy reading. An arid wasteland, great and terrible wilderness. If you've ever grieved We've had a season when you felt lonely or isolated. You know what this is. You know what this season is. 
if that's where you are now, just know that God is journeying with you and will carry you through to a better time. And if you've already been through a season like that, then hopefully you know that it was God that got you through. Moses says, do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. Remember, the Lord your God has made it possible for you to do this. The Lord your God has made it possible for you to be here, for you to be now. Remember that, Moses says. Well, one act of remembrance, one way we demonstrate that we know the Lord our God has made good times possible, bad times bearable, is that we commit to live as disciples. We aren't just people who know about Jesus. We aren't just people who declare who Jesus is. We are followers of Jesus the Christ. We're not just fans of his. We're followers of his. We are disciples. We follow so closely that the dust of his sandals settles on us. We're not volunteers. We don't just give a little bit of our time and a little bit of our money when it really suits us, right? It's really for our own purposes. We're servants and we put everything we have and everything we are um, to use for the benefit of the kingdom of God. And we're guided by the values of the kingdom of God revealed in Jesus Christ. So to that end, you have a commitment card in front of you. And if you didn't get one as you came in, the ushers will will, um, bring you one in just a minute. But you have two cards, a big one and a small one. You're going to fill out the big one, and we're going to walk through it in just a second. You're going to fill out the big one, and you're going to keep it. This is between you and God. This is not between you and me. This is not between you and church council. This is between you and God. What you're going to turn in today is this smaller card that just says whether or not you've made a commitment, right? I'm going to invite you to bring those up uh, at the end of the sermon. This one that you're going to fill out, you're going to take this and you're going to put it somewhere where you can see it. You're going to put it on your nightstand, or on your refrigerator, or wherever in your car, wherever it is that you will see this as you move throughout 2024. So let's go through this card. The first, the first question it asks you, or the first opportunity you have to make a commitment, is in the area of prayer. Are you, going, are you willing to commit to praying at least once a week, once a day, more than once a day, some other amount This is between you and God. Bible reading is is not on this card, (laughs) even though when we really talk about the gift of prayer in terms of our uh, United Methodist vows, we really mean prayer and Bible reading. But we're going to do the Bible year next year as a congregation, and we as a community are going to read read the whole Bible, (laughs) right? Uh, There's going to be grace in that. We're going to read as much of it as we each can read. But my point is you're going to be in your Bible next year. So I haven't actually asked you to make a commitment in that area because I think it's going to happen. Um, And we're going to do it together. We're going to fulfill that commitment together. But I do hope that you will make a commitment to pray. And my encouragement to you is this. If you are already really faithful about starting your day with prayer or ending your day with prayer or praying with your lunch, right, don't mark once a day. Don't write down what you're already doing. Make a commitment to do at least a little bit more next year, right? A little bit more in 2024. And remember, you will keep this card. 
This is between you and God. On this card, you can also make a commitment about how many Sundays you will be in worship next year. This is not necessarily worship at Gray Memorial United Methodist Church, although guess what? I'd love to see you here. I would love to be in worship with you. But this is your commitment to how often you're going to attend worship in person, online, whatever that means to you. You might remember that I told you the story, a story about a pastor in Montgomery. The one Sunday, the weather was really, really bad, and he was worried that just nobody was going to come to church because it was just not the kind of weather you go out in. But then he was so surprised and delighted that one of his really faithful church members you know, walked up and came in for worship. And he, and he went and he said to her, I'm so glad you decided to come to church this morning, even though the weather is bad. And she didn't hesitate to teach him a lesson, right? She said, huh, I got news for you. If I had waited until this morning to decide if I was coming or not, I would not be here. I decided that I would be here today when I promised God last year that I would be in church 48 Sundays this year. And this is not one of the four that I can miss, so I am here. She had made a commitment to God, and she kept that promise. A disciple shows up. What will your commitment be? Next is giving. What percentage of your income are you going to give away next year? Everything you have, everything you are, is a gift from God. Amen? Amen. How much is too much to give to God. The Bible says keep 90% and give God 10%, but if 10% is too much for you to give to God right now, then put down what you think is not too much. Put down what you think you can do, 5%, 1%. If you want to not commit to a percentage, but you want to say, I'm going to give the Lord this much money each week, write that down in the other spot. You get to decide what you put down here. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. What do you feel you need to put down there today? What commitment is God inviting you to make? How will you use the money that God has given you for the mission God has given you? Remember, you're keeping this card. You're not turning it in. When I was a kid, um, my parents... Uh, who I've told you guys many stories about their faithfulness, but there was a long season. Actually, most of my life, my parents would not have checked any boxes off here. They would not have made a commitment about their giving, even though I can tell you they were faithful in their giving. One time we were at a church where uh, my parents had made a financial commitment, a specific amount that they were going to give during the year. And I guess the church had used that money to build its budget. And it was not... A, it was not a significant portion of the budget. We were not that kind of family. But at some point in the year, the church sent my parents a bill, said that they were behind on what they had pledged. Right? That will not happen to you here. <laughs> this is between you and God. This is not between you and me. This is not between you and the finance committee. We build our budget in a different way. We build our budget by looking at what uh, what we have historically received, what we have historically had available as funds to work with. And then we ask, what do we think God is asking us to do? Right? And as we spend the money, <laughs> we trust that if we follow what God wants us to do, we, we really do trust that the money will come. And, and so far, that is working. So far, that is working. 
So how are you going to use the money that God has given you for the mission that God has given you? This is between you and God. Then you're asked to make a commitment in the area of service. Will you? Will you make a commitment? Will you commit to serving in at least one service project with this congregation in 2024? Will you help at the big give or the pumpkin patch or a trustee's workday? Will you help us deliver food or other things to local elementary schools? Will you help people get to their doctor's appointments? Will you commit to serving in some way next year? And then lastly, witness. Will you commit to sharing your faith by inviting folks to worship or to a church event next year? How many? How many people do you think you can invite? Who can you invite to Easter worship or Pentecost worship or Christmas Eve or just any regular Sunday? Because they're all pretty great, right? Yeah. Right, right, right. (laughs) As with all of these commitments, you get to decide what your commitment will be. You get to decide. And I'm not asking you to overcommit, but gosh, friends, I hope you don't undercommit because I think there's an opportunity in this for each of us as disciples. This really is between you and God. Brayden is actually going to play some music for us as we each take time to fill out our commitment cards. So remember, you're going to fill out the big one and then fill out the smaller one. Write your name on it. Mark the areas where you're willing to make a commitment. And if you happen to be visiting today and you're going to fulfill this commitment in another congregation, you are still welcome to bring this up. It is okay. This is just making an offering to the Lord. So when you're ready, what you're going to do is you're going to bring this smaller card up and you're going to place it in one of these offering plates. These have been preloaded with offerings, which I'm going to pull out, but I promise I will put back. (laughs) Uh, so that you can put your cards in here and offer your cards to God. And then when that is done, we will, uh, Stephanie will transition us into the hymn of the day. If you need help bringing your card up, just raise your hand and someone will pick it up for you. If you need a card, raise your hand and the ushers will make sure to get you one. Just, this is an invitation to commit to walking the path of a disciple in 2024. Let 2024 be the year that you follow Jesus so closely that the dust of his sandals settles on you. Amen. I'm going to sit down and work on my card, too.